You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. I'm excited because I'm back from Chicago, but I have to go back to Chicago um, in two days. It's a very quick turnaround, but I'm appreciating the L.A. weather and not the Chicago weather because it's a little too chilly for me. But I'm happy to be back in a brief trip home to Los Angeles to tape No Filter for you guys this week. Um, and I'm really excited. Last week, uh, we did a show, we did a, a pop culture catch-up show um, last Friday, and we chatted with Monique Coco, and I told her about the article that I wrote for Pop Sugar about FMT, which is a fecal microbiota transplant, which is basically a poop transplant. Um, and one of the docs that I interviewed for FMT, because everybody's had a bunch of questions about it, and they're like, gross, what's that? What are poop pills? What? So I decided to invite one of the doctors on the show today to talk to me more about FMT and more about your poop and why you need to start taking care of your gut, and I promise it's not going to be as gross as it sounds. So please welcome today's guest. He's an FMT and gut expert, Dr. Neil Stallman. Hi, Dr. Stallman. Hi, Zach. Thank you for having me. It may be gross, for the record, not to correct your introduction, but we may get gross. Just be aware of that. <laughs> okay. We We're talking about gross. poop. We are talking about poop. Okay. So we chatted a couple weeks ago about FMT because basically what happened was, to give people a little backstory because I didn't do this in the Pop Sugar article, but I got an email from Goop, with his, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's website. Or actually, hold on. Let me take it back. In January, she did an interview with InStyle. Um, where they asked her about, you know, taking on all of these really big wellness trends that people think are really weird, and they think that she's just way, way out there. And they asked her what she thinks is going to be the next wellness trend that's going to start to pick up, and she said fecal transplants. So flash forward to a couple weeks ago, her website Goop sends out an email that I got about fecal transplants and about FMT, um... So I was naturally even more curious because it sounds a little gross because, I mean, it, it, the, it, you're literally like transplanting somebody's poop. Um, but Dr. Stallman, I need you to, to explain this for me in a very easy to grasp, hopefully not so gross way. What is I w- FMT? I will do my best. And so you're, you're spot on. You've nailed it so far. So FMT, of course, stands for fecal, as you got it, microbiota. So your biome, that's probably the best term. There's, okay. We're struggling with semantics, by the way. No one even knows what the words for this stuff is. But, but I think uh, biome is a good term. Uh, ecosystem, microbiome, microbiota, they're all kind of derivatives. But mm-hmm. in essence, you have thousands of different species of bacteria in your colon. In fact, you need to have thousands of different species of bacteria in your colon, and you couldn't live without thousands of different species of bacteria in your colon. In fact, there are more of the... if, If numbers ruled... Your colon's in charge, my friend, because you have more numerically bacteria in your intestine than you have cells in the rest of your body. So if, if you want to be, you know, really strange about it, if majority rules, you are just a vector to carry your poop around. Your poop has set up shop inside you, and there are more of them than there are of you. Now, you, of course, have, you know, teeth and eyeballs and brain cells, mm-hmm. so although they have, they have some form of intelligence, if you could argue. So there are all these bugs in you. You need bugs in you. Okay. Um, they're necessary for life, and then that gets messed up. In, in our modern world, we do things that take that biome and alter it. 
the most common thing. Yeah, so diet alters it for sure. Most commonly, though, it's antibiotics today. So Mm -hmm. in sort of the modern medical world, the thing we we are, I think chemo can do it and being in a hospital can do it. There are a lot of things that can do it. But most typically, we give someone an antibiotic. And antibiotics, of course, can save lives but in, in the right situation. But one of the things they can do is kill some of your good bugs and give you a, quote, dysbiosis. So that's another term, right? Your biome, you have a healthy biome. If we give you antibiotics, you can have an unhealthy biome, and we'll call that a dysbiosis. Okay. And, and that's unhealthy in, in a bunch of different ways that we can talk about. So is so it... What an, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Uh, so an FMT recognizes that. So an FMT says, okay, you've got a bad biome, and I don't really... We can talk about how to fix a biome, but... I'll take it as a given that in today's world, we don't yet know how to fix a biome precisely. That would be wonderful, right? It'd be really good if I could take Zach's biome and look at it under, you're going to be my archetype patient today, Zach, of course. If we could take Zach's biome and look at it under a microscope and say, Mm -hmm. oh, Zach needs two more jars of peptostreptococcus and a half a jigger of E. coli and three vials of firmicutes, and we could get Zach's biome into a good place. Mm, we don't know how to do that. I'd love to know how to do that. And that's not pie in the sky. In five years, I may be able to do that and sort of do what I would call custom biome restoration. And that's really what I think Gwyneth is talking about as sort of the future is can we understand what's wrong with a biome and sort of selectively make it better, put in the good guys. In the year 2017 today, we have zero idea of what that is, and I mean zero. So we can't sort of fix your biome in a precise way. So instead, if you think about it, a poop transplant or a fecal transplant or an FMT is just a way to recognize that I don't know how to actually fix your biome. So let's hit the reset button like one of those office commercials are. Let's basically flush out your biome, try to kind of get rid of your bugs, and just add poop, which ostensibly... Healthy poop, so how do you define healthy poop? We take 18-year-old kids largely who've never been on antibiotics, never been in a hospital, have no family history, never been sick a day in their lives, and, and we assume and we check their poop for 100 different bad players. We assume their poop is healthy, and then we put new poop in. So instead of sort of fixing your biome, we in essence just replace your biome, and that's really at core what a fecal transplant is. Interesting. So now who can get a fecal transplant? Like if I am like, oh, my stomach just feels off, you know, can I just have, you know, homeboy from down the street, can I have his poop put back in me to make me feel better? Is that a thing? You could, it is a thing on your own, and there's endless <laughs> YouTube videos and websites and the power of poop. And you just Google, I will challenge your audience to just Google home fecal transplant, and you will find endless. I don't want to watch that. Yes. There's, there's, there's I'll do it in your videos. office, but like I don't want to watch that. Exactly. So if you want to do it on your own, you can do whatever the heck you want. <laughs> However, if you want my professional assistance, again, today in the year 2017, the FDA says, hey, Stolman, you can do this because we trust you, but you can only do it for one disease because, knockwood, we got lucky. So we tried this medically first in an illness for a gut infection that most of your listeners and readers aren't going to have, but there's a gut infection called C. difficile, or C. diff, we call it for short. And that's sort of the archetype illness that happens after we give people antibiotics and give them a dysbiotic bowel. Okay. And it turned out, so, so that was tried 
that's actually been going, you know, fecal transplants, by the way, are archaic. Old Chinese medicine texts, veterinarians. So we didn't, I didn't invent fecal transplants. No one in the modern world invented fecal transplants. But a group of us, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, started doing this for this one particular illness, C. diff. And by golly, we got lucky because it works like crazy. And, and it was a fortunate thing that we started doing this in the one illness that we know that it works in. And at the moment, the FDA has said, you're right, it does work for C. diff, so you can do it for C. diff. But if you want to do it for anything else, like Crohn's disease or obesity or Parkinson's or myasthenia or multiple sclerosis or a million other things that people, Alzheimer's, um, a million other things that people, depression, people have, have suggested that this would be a useful thing for a number of different things. You have to do that under the auspices of an experiment that's followed by the government, what we call a clinical trial. So you can't, you can't just walk into my office and get a fecal transplant for anything other than C. diff. If you have C. diff, we're on for tomorrow, my friend. But if you have anything <laughs> other than C. diff, we need, to put you, we need to do an experiment. And that's a reasonable thing. That's how, how science works, basically. Um, so that's the current state of affairs. Okay. So now one thing that you mentioned earlier was about antibiotics and how they really can screw up your gut. So what do you think about doctors that kind of use antibiotics as the go-to if where if there's something wrong with your gut or you're having stomach pains or something, you know, their first instinct is to just put you on an antibiotic and... Yeah, and I'm vehemently against that for, okay. for logical reasons. So it, for, there's a whole lot of things that drive that. Part of it is doctors. We are, we are imperfect. And, you know, we want to we fix things, right? In right. fact, there's, there's, we live in a country where we get sued if we don't fix things. So, yeah. you know, someone might have an infection. Well, I'll give you antibiotics because I'm more likely to get sued for not giving you antibiotics than <laughs> I am for giving you antibiotics. Not to mention that patients, and not to, to blame patients in any way, but, but patients do have an expectation. You know, a mom has a kid who's coughing or has an earache, right, or, you know, has a sore throat or something, she brings the kid into a pediatrician. The pediatrician looks in and says, you know what, I think this is a virus. And, of course, there's not an antibiotic for that. But mom has kind of an expectation that you're going to fix her kid, right? And if the doctor says salt water and thyme, that mom's not going to be happy. There's kind of an impetus to, to treat. You know, there's an expectation on the patient side that we will treat them, and there's an expectation on the doctor side that we will treat. Not to mention that, frankly, it's, it's just, it takes a longer discussion to tell you why I'm not giving you antibiotics than right. it does to just write the darn prescription, right? Because then I can write the script and you go home and you're happy. I'm not going to get sued. So th there's all this pressure to over-treat, and we absolutely do. There is very good science that if you just look at the average American child by the time they get to college, we'll have had 18 courses of antibiotics, and at least half of those were unnecessary. Now, that's not to say there aren't, I don't want to give the impression that antibiotics are, are not sometimes necessary. Right. Antibiotics can save lives, and there are okay. absolutely scenarios where they're damn well obligate, and you damn well better take them. But we over, you're, you're, you're spot on correct, uh, probably half the time you don't need them. And, and I would encourage um, the audience to be really sort of cautious about that and say, instead of sort of hoping for antibiotics and wishing they'll get a treatment, um, sometimes not getting treated with antibiotics is the right answer. And in fact, maybe the healthier answer. Okay. So what if, 
Okay, because now I'm going to get a little selfish with my questioning. So my sister's had a lot of issues recently with her stomach, and my stepmom's been texting me nonstop, like, what do I do? Probiotics, this, that. Um, And so basically every time she goes back into the doctor, they put her on antibiotics. And I, my concern is from what I've read is that it can really damage your gut. So for people like my sister and like other um, people who have been on antibiotics frequently, what can you do to kind of repopulate the gut in a healthy way? Because some of the articles that I've read and some of the quote unquote experts that have published different articles online are saying that antibiotics can really damage your gut. So how do we then repair that damage? Yeah. So your sister, your poor sister, and I feel bad for her. Um, So the first thing is she should try to not get the more antibiotics. Again, it's almost a question of, hey, doc, am I going to die if I don't take this antibiotic? And if the answer is, nah, you're not going to die, then say, thank you, but no thank you, basically. But the damage has been done. She's had these courses. She is dysbiotic now, basically. She has a dysbiosis. So short of a fecal transplant, which she can't can't get and should not get, frankly, (laughs) how can she repopulate her biome? That's what you're asking. And Mm -hmm. the answer is, I don't have a precise answer for you, but the one thing we do think we know is that, so probiotics, right? That's, the, that's sort of the home version of a fecal transplant. If you, if you think about it, a fecal transplant is kind of the ultimate probiotic, right? It's the most monstrous probiotic. It's, it's everything. Since I don't know which subset or the right subset, let's put in everything. But we're not dead in the water, and we can try things. And the one thing I think we're comfortable saying today is that largely food-based probiotics are, are safer, cheaper, and probably more effective. Okay. So I would discourage your audience from going to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and, and spending a whole lot of money on pill X, pill Y, pill Z. And, and if, I don't know if you've looked at the section of probiotics at a health food store anytime recently, but we're undergoing what I call a billions war. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, it's... it's Who well, can we cram have, more into well, a pill? Yeah, right. And because it's all marketing, it's all nonsense. There's no science to this. I have 12 billion. Well, look at us. We got 15 billion. We got 20 billion. We get forty billion, but it's it's uh, and people buy that crap. I mean, they oh, this must be better. There's forty billion. Yeah. That must be better than the twenty billion. Suffice to say, I'm I'm telegraphing my answer, which is that's utter nonsense, okay. and I would discourage people from buying into that. That instead, what I would say is that fermented foods such as kombucha, for example, which is a fermented tea drink that has a bunch of I different bacteria kombucha. in it. Kombucha is great. Um, kefir, or kefir, I think, if you're a hipster, K-E-F-I-R, I may be getting it wrong. Kefir, kefir is a yogurt. It's basically a fermented yogurt um, that also has a t- and better than just sort of garden variety uh, supermarket yogurt. Most okay. supermarket yogurt has one bacteria in it, something called lactobacillus acidophilus, which is fine. Lactobacillus is a reasonable bug, but most store-bought yogurt with, quote, live cultures has just a single bug, lactobacillus. Kefir has a bunch of different bugs in it and it's probably a better way to go. Um, Fermented foods such as sauerkraut, miso, kimchi, all of those things are actually excellent as well. So to your direct, to your sister, tell your sister to drink kefir, kombucha, miso, kimchi. That's really what I want your sister to do. Okay. I also found this really funky, like coconut fermented yogurt thing. I found it. I found it at a, a, a natural food store. I know that doesn't feel like your vibe with all the probiotics, but I did find this one. It's in like a funky jar, and it's basically like cultured uh, coconut. Is that? 
Are you down with cultured yeah, coconut? Yeah, no, I am. I don't know that one specifically, okay. Zach, so I can't, I won't specifically Yeah, I don't remember the brand that, name either. But, but generally speaking, yes. Okay, yes. so like it, those it types of foods are like anything fermented, anything Correct. cultured. Okay. Correct. And in fact, as you probably know, there's a whole market in that now, right? So yeah. there's a store in Berkeley. I'm in Northern California. You're in Southern Cal, but there's a store in Berkeley now called the, the Cultured Pickle, I think. And I don't, I'm not giving any, you know, particular endorsements, but there's an entire store dedicated to fermented foods now in, in Berkeley. And I suspect what happens in Berkeley happens in LA too. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and there probably are vendors who are, who are aiming at this market, which is do the market like pickles? of... I do like pickles, although, although not all pickles are our our bacteria are our, our, our probiotics yeah i also realize like some new pickle or not new pickles but some of like the the mainstream brands have like added dyes in them to make them like green and they're not as like, correct need to read the so yeah so i'm not encouraging that at all correct okay and by the way, you can do a lot of this at home, too. For those okay. who are – we live in a world of makers and doers, right? Again, these, these hipsters can uh, – I will tell you I buy my kombucha, but – Yeah, I, but. I, can't, I can't be sitting there brewing kombucha. I mean, power to the hipsters. It I, can be done. It can be done. <laughs> and if you, have, if you don't have a job and you have the time to do it, then by all means, why not, right? Exactly, exactly. I don't have the luxury of having that much time. Okay. So why do you think all of these celebs are jumping on board with it? Why is GP talking about FMT and InStyle Magazine, Dr. Stallman? Well, because they're right in a, in a global sense. The problem is we're just not right in a, in a micro sense yet. But I think we are right in a macro sense. Our, our bugs matter, and we're just sort of accepting that. That's kind of new information for us. You know, we, everything was was genes, right? So 50 years ago, we discovered the DNA and Watson and Crick, and, and we, we actually undertook something called the Human Genome Project, right? Mm-hmm. If we, we, that's our code, right? We are, we are coded. It's not a binary code like computer code. It's a, a quaternary code. We have four different building blocks, right? And you are genetically coded by a pattern of four different nucleotides. That's really true, frankly. And we got all excited about that, and everything was genetics. Genetics was going to be, every illness was going to be cured with sort of, you know, sort of customized genetic interventions and genetic and gene therapy and the like. Turns out that's a lot harder than we ever thought it was, and that's not to say that's not happening, but it ain't happening quite as fast as, as we thought. So the, the, the bloom is off the rose, so to speak, of, of genetics, and then along comes the biome, and we say, oh, okay, well, it's not genes anymore. Now it's the bugs that live in and on us. And by the way, you have a biome on you. You don't, you don't just have a biome in you. You have an oral biome, a vaginal biome, an underarm biome, a skin biome. Oh you got God. lots of nasal biome. There's not, I'm a colon biome guy, but you got lots of biome. Biomes, and we are recognizing that they do play a role in health and illness, and that biome disruption is bad for you, leading to the question of can biome restoration fix illness? And we have proven that for one thing, but the thesis is that, that all illness is going to be, you know, curable by biome manipulation. And mm-hmm. in fact, we started what's called the Human Biome Project, an analogous to the Human Genome Project. We are now setting out to essentially map the human biome and understand what a normal human biome is so we can fix an abnormal human biome. So I'm, I share the optimism. I think biome disruption causes illness and I think biome restoration will and can cure illness. But I would, I would temper that with a tremendous dose of we ain't there yet. Okay. 
But so we have bugs all over us, is what you're saying? We do. Sorry. Oh my god! And here I am, just trying to worry about not getting crabs. And little did it, I know, it, I have bugs yeah, all over get, me. Get on the Tokyo subway one day. <laughs> and, you know, yes, there are bugs on and around you. You, you know, you know that little pig pen guy from Peanuts who like travels around with that little cloud of like dust around him. Yeah. Remember the old Peanuts guy? Mm-hmm. That's actually you and me yeah, and yeah. everybody else. We carry a little biome cloud around with us. So we wait, are, so does taking in probiotics and prebiotics is like eating that and drinking kombucha, does that also help with all the other bugs around us aside from our gut? To be determined. Okay. Still unknown. Theoretically, okay. but not but not known. But not confirmed yet. Okay. Correct. Cool. Do you have any like favorite brands like kombucha brands like or is there any like what should we look for because i feel like especially when it comes to kombucha like there are so many brands now that a lot of them have like added sugar or don't have a lot of um probiotics like so i try to not add anything if possible you know non-colored non you know if you non-artificial stuff the truth is the one that they like is the one they'll do there's an old saying sort of the best test in medicine is the one that actually gets done um the best intervention is the one that people actually take so you know so the shorter answer is I, tell, I, I literally tell people, go buy five different ones. Go to the supermarket and try two different brands, three different flavors, blah, 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 and then try them. And then the one you like, go buy more of, basically. Okay. Um, so, so it's got to be one you – because, again, people don't want to you know, be miserable. You, you, won't, you won't do stuff that's, that makes you miserable. So it should be, it should be tolerable. Okay, I'm I'm feeling good. For lunch today, I had some, some fermented spicy veggies, and it was like – I don't know, there you maybe. go. You are. You I also are enhancing took a, your health. I also took a probiotic pill, but I'm. So, are you saying I should just stop taking those? I'm saying you may as well finish the ones you already bought, but I wouldn't spend a lot of money on it. Uh, okay. I'm saying that you're probably it's probably not a cost-effective intervention for you, and and probably not doing what you think it's doing. What about so it's probably pre-biotics? not going to hurt you, but. So prebiotics are basically gut food, or bug food, excuse me. So okay. the concept of a prebiotic is, well, these bugs have to eat. And I think it's mostly not true. I mean, yes, it's true that bugs have to eat, but it's more marketing, really. Well, if I, if I put, not only am I going to give you $40 billion, I'm going to prepackage it with prebiotics, which are the basically sugars that bugs need to live on. So not only am I giving you the bugs, I'm giving you bug food in one nice little package. Um, and again, that's more marketing than reality, probably. Interesting. Okay. So why do you think people my age should be in, you know, in their 20s should be starting to get a little more conscious about their gut? Because I feel like a lot of us don't want to listen to the hipsters and we're like, oh, my God, you shop at Whole Foods. Who has time to make their own kombucha? Why should we at least be, you know, considering buying a kombucha at- because it can have effects on you because it is long-term health. So, you know, but I'm young. Children, I can drink. I cannot sleep. Time, right? I can, yeah. You're, you're seeing the next hour of your life. I'm seeing the next decade of your life. <laughs> so that's really the answer is, is to take a sort of longer, you know, I have a, a child and, and they have short-term time horizons, you know. Um, but uh, I, I think you need to take a longer there was an old line that dentists use or something, you know, take care of your teeth or they'll leave you alone or something, you know, take care of your gut. There's probably a version of that. Um, you know, be nice to your gut because you're going to need it one day. Do you think um, that a lot of, I, I'm starting to see a lot more research come out about how our gut and, and the, the uh, our microbiome and the dysbiosis, how that affects like our mood and our behavior. Do you think that's a real thing or is that still too early to determine? 
I think it's early. The easy science is look at people with, with disease A and disease Y and look at their, bu- their bugs or their biome and say, are they different? So you can look at people with depression and compare them to people without depression and say, oh, these depressed people have a different biome than these non-depressed people. So if we can only take their biome and make it like the non-depressed people, won't their depression get better? And that is a leap that is not true necessarily. So sort of it's a classic example of, of association doesn't mean causation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, the fact that that one person's biome is different than another person's biome doesn't mean you can make them more like the other person by changing their biome. So, so yes, there is science that suggests that people with certain mood disorders, be it anxiety or depression or, uh, you know, bipolar, different, different psychiatric sort of issues, even just anxiety, can have biome alterations. But, but is that cause or effect, right? Maybe that's consequence, not cause, and certainly no one has ever shown yet that you can, can alter that by, by altering the biome. There was just a report on, I think, kids with um, attention deficit and hyperactivity showing, again, that their biomes are different and you can, you can alter their biomes, but can you really fix their problem? And that, I'd love that to be true, and, and it may well be true, but I would be very, very, very cautious about, about that at the moment. Okay. But something to consider. Okay, yeah. I'm into it. Now, well, I'm kind thi- of a, I'm the middle fence guy. I mean, I, I, look, I'm a pretty alternative guy. I started doing fecal transplants when people thought I was insane to do so, and I still <laughs> may be insane, but, but, but I was right. In this case, my insanity was, was founded. Um, so I'm a pretty alternative, complementary, open-minded guy, and I do things that are, that are still sort of novel things. But I also think they have to have some core of, of logic and, and plausibility and science underneath them, and we're still way, way, way early in that. So I don't want to sound like a, you know, a traditional curmudgeonly old, old dude saying no, 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 um, but I do think the science has to catch up with the promise, and we're not really there yet. Okay. But at least, I mean, it's a conversation that's happening now, and I think there's only more good stuff to come from this. It's unbelievably. If, if you are a young professor today going into medical research, you're going into the biome right now, or, or a huge bulk of them are going into. It is the you know, next hot area. So uh, we can look at studies that get done, and I sort of track that on those government websites that look, you know, and, and five years ago there was 20 studies, three years ago there were 40 studies, now there's 100-plus studies. I'm, I'm giving you ballpark numbers, not precise numbers, but there's been an explosion in science and an explosion in scientists. This is sexy, medically sexy and scientifically sexy. So a whole bunch of young dorks who are coming out of schools, uh, science dorks, are, are jumping into this world because it really is the next wave for us. So all the, all the smart, you know, all the, all the smart dorks are getting into this. And I'm really optimistic that in five years, you know, in 10 years, we're going to have an unbelievably deeper understanding for all of this. And I think it's reasonable. I mean, this, again, this is not voodoo crystals, shamanism, right. you know, this is not nonsense. This is real, but it's just super early real. I love that you talked about science dorks poop and use them as describe them as sexy all in one string. <laughs> I love that. Welcome okay. to me. Welcome to my life. <laughs> now, Dr. Stoneman, I realize that we start every show with some icebreaker questions, and I know we're closing the show with these, but I have one, two, three, four, five questions that every guest has to answer when they come on the show. Um, and it's really okay. just to humanize them. And I love it even when I get a doctor to answer these questions. So are you ready try. for my icebreakers? I am. I am. Okay. First question is, what's one word your mother would use to describe you? Oh, uh, anxious. 
Anxious. Okay, we need to fix that dysbiosis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, fun fact. What's one thing about you people wouldn't expect, aside from your love of poop? Oh, golly, that would have been the obvious one, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, what wouldn't... I don't, I'm lost for that one. Um, people tell me I look like Richard Dreyfus every day. Okay. That's, that's, my, that's my celebrity doppelganger, if that counts. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. What is your drink of choice? Oh, uh, Belgian beer. Belgian beer. Okay. Interesting. Uh, most embarrassing moment that's happened to you that you've learned the most from? Oh, I, it has to be the email reply all that should have been replied. Oh, those are the worst. For, yeah, and that's uh, 10 years ago, and it still lives in my head, <laughs> like every moment. I'm still, yeah, I'm still have angst about, about that. Oh I, I, remember, I remember the email, actually. Okay. Yeah, that's it. What was the lesson you learned from it? Well, <laughs> check which button I'm hitting. Check which button. Yeah. Don't hit reply all. Exactly. Okay, last question. This one's my favorite to ask because the answers always vary, but... If you had to be reincarnated as a Kardashian, which one would you choose? Oh, um, Kendall. Kendall. Everybody picks Kendall's like the the, the safe well, she's choice. She's hot right now. She's yeah, hot she's right now, that, and yeah. she's the least like fake and correct. Yeah. That would be my logic. There is, yeah, she seems to mine, have less. Mine would body be parts. Yeah, <laughs> mine would be Courtney because she seems like the most that would be down for a fecal transplant. That's probably true. I'd buy that. <laughs> I, can I change? <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in today, Dr. Stolman. Is there anything, uh, where can people go if they want to learn more about you or about FMTs? Uh, my website's easy. It's neilstolman.com. So it's one word, neilstolman.com. That's an easy place to find me. Um, a good website is actually thepowerofpoop.com, believe it or not. And I'm not, it's, they have nothing, you know, financially to do with anybody, but that's a, reasonable science, that's non, non-crazy. Funny. That's funny oh. because that, that website came up a lot when I was researching about FMT for Pop Sugar. I kept seeing that site pop up like in the, the top Google feeds, um, and I wasn't sure if that was a, a legit site or not. So thanks it is. For... Yeah, it is okay. largely a legit site. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. There you go. Power of Poop and neilstallman.com and E-I-L, right? N-E-I-L-S-T-O-L-L-M-A-N.com, one word. Exactly. .com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Stallman, for calling in and breaking down poop to me. I mean, what better what better way to, to end your or to, to get over the hump day of Absolutely. the week? Right? You know, this is this is like shooting fish in a barrel, right? Talking about poop is easy. <laughs> when when I can make like, you know, ulcer sexy or, you know, when you can make ingrown toenail yeah. sexy or, or diverticulitis sexy. I think those know? are gonna take a little more work. Exactly. Poop is poop is easy. I'm lucky. I, hey, I appreciate it, and I'm glad that we were able to spend 30 minutes talking about poop, and I didn't get grossed out. And I'm I, and I, I admire all the listeners that stood in and listened this long. I appreciate you. I love you. Don't forget to subscribe and listen listen to hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, and always at thenetworkstudios.com. Uh, you can also listen on iHeartRadio, and you can go to thenetworkstudios.com to find out everywhere that we are distributed. Um, don't forget to follow me at Just Plain Zach across all social media platforms, um, and stay tuned because. We just finished April, but May has a lineup of some very exciting guests that I can't wait to bring on the hashtag no filter. So be sure to subscribe. Now I got to go because I got to go pack, but I will talk to you later. Bye.